previously on the Obsessed Podcast. So what Mariah did on Breakdown by mimicking Bone Thug's cadence was just iconic. Like, it's so amazing to me. I don't really, I mean, I'm probably wrong in saying this, but I don't really feel like we get anything of this kind of quality from any other artist. There might be some moments where people are singing with some rappers, but it's probably not as big. But when you get somebody who's supposed to be such a, a vocalist like Mariah, and I know we all, we'll always keep going back to the early stages of her career, when she was the one that was always doing the impressive notes and doing the 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 belt in the the key changes and whatever and those kind of schmaltzy things as she likes to call it but like you wouldn't expect it from someone like that and the fact that she did this was absolutely amazing and I just wish that we could have got something else I know we got it here and there on remixes but I feel like this is extra special because it was new from both of them it wasn't a different version of a, an original song or a remix and so it's a it's a perfect staple. And I quite like the fact it's almost halfway through the album as well. Like it's a perfect staple on the album. I, I think it's perfectly placed because I believe yeah. track one through six is the relationship part with Derek Jeter. After Breakdown, the whole vibe of the album changes. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Obsessed Podcast. It's Nick, Gareth and Gia. We're here today to talk about part three of our Butterfly album review and go over the last six tracks of the album and give our final thoughts on Nick and I's favorite album, Butterfly. Uh, But first, if you haven't listened to the first two parts of our Butterfly album review, make sure to go back and listen to those first before you listen to this so you're all caught up. We kind of want to just go back into breakdown a little bit Because if you guys didn't notice, I kind of had a little bit of a disappearing act type moment. Um, Yeah, something came up and I had to dip. So let's go back into breakdown first and then get into the tracks. How's that sound? Sound good to you guys? Sounds good to me because you were a ninja, bitch. So what, what are your thoughts on breakdown since we didn't get that on the last episode? Okay, so to me, breakdown is kind of giving me the same feelings that the roof gives me like her vocal layering is phenomenal the lyrics are everything uh she paints this gorgeous picture of like what it feels like when you're about to go through that because like I had a feeling one time I was about to get like go through like a breakup situation and I listened to breakdown right before and I was like okay Gia how are you gonna play this out are you gonna be cool about it are you gonna be super desperate about it uh you're gonna break down about it um and it was kind of like a mix of all three so yeah it's a super relatable song especially if you've been in that sort of situation uh but also like I said vocally it's a masterpiece so that's how I feel about breakdown um Ryan was also quoted <clears throat> Let me clear my throat, retake that. Mariah was also quoted of saying that she was high when she did that. So I thought that was interesting. There was this um, interview that she did where she was saying that she was, she ate the brownies because we know the queen loves some brownies and that she was, um, of course, high. And she listened to the track or the rough track of Breakdown for the very first time. And she was kind of bugging out because she was like, this is a mess. Why am I singing so fast? When in actuality, it's one of her best songs ever. Ever. 
Yes, we know our queen loves to get a little bit buzzed. The purple's taking her higher. Um, queen of space cakes. Queen of space cakes, of course. And I feel like that sort of like chill vibe that marijuana gives you, it, it's in that song. Like now that you know that she was kind of tweaking a little bit, a little high. Yeah, but that goes with Bone Thugs, though. All of their music is like that. So I love how Mariah kind of morphed herself into that Bone Thugs cadence, as she likes to say. But it's so amazing. I love it. Let's talk about how... Let's talk about lyrics we disagree on, because... Oh, bitch, this is about to get messy. But I'm going to defend myself and justify it to the fullest. So get ready bitches one day nick messaged me on instagram what are you thinking god i'm just suffering and i was like um what because i had no idea what he was talking about and he was like bitch give me back your lamb card and i was like what are you talking about chill and he was like the breakdown and i was like bitch those aren't the words like it's what do you think Wait, what are the words again? Um, what do See, you, think you don't you, even know the words. Because I haven't listened to the song today. What do you think? You gotta know I'm suffering. That's what it is. What do you think? You gotta know I'm suffering. So I, I. Okay, so let me kind of get into my defense mode. For 25 years, I've always loved that line. I'm going to pretend that she's saying, what are you thinking, God? I'm just suffering. Because to me, that's iconic. If you listen to the song closely, it sounds like she's saying, what are you thinking, God? I'm just suffering. And I love that. But I know now that those aren't the lyrics. So I, but you kind of ruined like 25 years of my whole fucking life, bitch. Well, then don't try and take a bitch's lamb card, bitch. Because... those aren't even the fucking words and i don't know where you hear the word just like i don't hear a in the moment like well you know what bitch i'm gonna take your land card because you didn't know the ding 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 and in the roof so give me that land card because you didn't know what honey was bitch and you didn't even know she performed just be good to me on the daydream tour Man, that's whatever. It's whatever, bitch. What are you thinking? God, I'm just suffering. I'm going to stick with that. Those are going to be the lyrics to me. And it is what it is. So I know that those aren't the lyrics, but they are the lyrics to me. So period, end of story. Let's move on to Baby Doll. Come on, Baby Doll. All right. So the worst track on the album is girl girl <laughs> the worst track baby toe is amazing no when okay so yesterday i was looking at a billboard um magazine article and it uh ranked all of the uh the track the last track was whenever you call and the second to last track was baby doll and i was like okay i i think i might agree with you guys almost like come <laughs> on yes because i just don't love this song it's probably my least favorite on the album you guys know i love every song on the album this album has no skips this is her magnum opus let me just start off by saying that but for some reason i just can't get down with baby doll i don't know what it is i don't know why i love cry baby and it's like part two of baby doll so i'm not sure what what the difference is and i love the vocal layerings i've heard an acapella version on youtube and i was fascinated by the the layers of the vocals and the background vocals and i love that it's 211 and i'm stressing watching tv in my hotel suite like i love that 
maybe maybe the chorus... i think i think like you, it's jarring to you because of the shift that the album takes at track seven because we all know that track one through six are like a block in the album that fit together and then when we get to track seven it's a little bit jarring and it changes the tone of the album so maybe that might be the be why you know i think so because that's when you you turn the record over and it's side b and then baby doll kicks off the start of the second half and then it's the same vibe like this album is super cohesive but it is a complete it is a shift in what we had been listening to previously. So maybe that's what it is. And also, it I know that she wrote this with Missy, so don't try and come for me when I say this, but it just gives me straight up one in a million. Like, I don't... It gives me Aaliyah. This song, and I love Aaliyah, so it's not shade, but... Well, and this album in particular is almost very Aaliyah as well, but 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 that's what Mariah was going that that's what Mariah was going for. Let me read this quote that Mariah said in a magazine. She said, "I always felt like this Stevie J produced track was like the long lost cousin of Aaliyah's One in a Million. Both songs were written by Missy Elliott, had crazy harmonies, and had similar production with the double stuttering B and all. Nevertheless, the song is still a jam to this day and should have been released." as a single so it's exactly what mariah was going for so if you're hearing one in a million bitch mariah did her job well that's what she that's what she did but maybe one in a million isn't my favorite song anyway either like i'm more of a four-page letter kind of girl so i love if your girl only knew by Leah. yeah what about rock the boat i like i do rock love the rock boat, the boat but... i like i'm i'm more of like a um the one i gave my heart to and like a four-page letter kind of girl um what's that other one at your best you are love that's a beautiful song as well baby doll i i i get what you're saying about how it's when the album shifts and i do think it's partly down to the stuttering bass like um and drums and stuff and we don't really get like anything like that especially from mariah up to this point really and it does stand out a little bit but i think that with how the album, the track listing of the album, I feel it's it it does take us into the the next part of the album. It sort of winds down a little bit, and I do feel it's um it's in keeping. I don't know how else to say it. It just doesn't it doesn't stand out like a sore thumb for me. What I was thinking when you were just saying about when you turn the vinyl over is what about when you listen to it from start to finish? If you do from track one all the way through to the end on your phone in order, like does it sound strange then? It still gives me a little bit of a shift, less so than when you're turning the vinyl over, of course, but, you know, because it doesn't like stop and then you have to like get up and turn the, the album over. But I still get the feeling of, oh, OK, like the, the the vinyl has turned over, like we are on side B, you know? Yeah. I mean, I personally find that maybe out of the more up-tempo, mid-tempo tracks on the album, this is probably one that is slept on a bit more. I don't know why, because I think it's quite forward-thinking for where Mariah was as an artist at this point. And it's a very good song. I'm not going to take that away. But if I were to skip a song on the album, which I wouldn't, this is my favorite album, it would be Baby Doll. I don't know oh, why. That's so weird to me. That's I just don't so know strange why. to me. I know. And then it's going to be strange when I'm like, I love the beautiful ones later. And you're going to be like, bitch, what are you yeah, fucking is. talking about? <laughs> it's going to be crazy as fuck, but we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a cute moment in the liner notes. So I, I really wanted to work with her because I think she's a great writer um, and she's on the really on the cutting edge of R&B, where R&B is going. And right voice. Yeah, she's got a great voice. And that's when I first heard her, it was on an MC Light record. Um, I think that Puffy had done. Yeah. And she was rapping. And the first time I heard her do that he yeah thing. And then she was singing. And I'm like, the same girl that's singing is the one that's rapping right there. And then I started hearing more of her music and, I, and the songs she wrote for other people, like Aaliyah and stuff. So I, we got together and, um, and I had already written the hook, I Want to Be a Baby Doll, that whole part. And, but what was different about that, I went to Virginia, I met her, I met Timberland, we did the whole thing. And she's just really cool. And, um, you know, I said, how would you approach this melody in the verses? Because I already had an idea for what I would have done, but it was much more of my, my style, like more free kind of flowing mm -hmm. of the music. And she approaches things from like more of the repetition, like a rhythmic thing. Mm -hmm. So she started with the da -da -da, that little thing that we did with the 211, that little part. Can't sing today, didn't get enough sleep, we won't go into that. But <laughs> so she, um, she and I collaborated on the lyrics and we wrote it in the hotel room. We, we're drinking champagne. She was already hungover from the night before. She fell asleep halfway through the writing session, so I had to finish it alone. And she knows I'm going to tell people that so she doesn't care because she had been to Timberland's party the night before, so yeah. she was tired. So on the back of on the album credits, that's why I said no more Cristal for you. <laughs> I wish that there was more Mariah and Missy moments. I mean, I know she's on the Heartbreaker remix, but that 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 feels like it is just a feature and i wish that there was a kind of remix of baby doll with with missy elliott on it you know like even if it was just like a confessions by destiny's child kind of thing where missus in the background just like uh, 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 or whatever she's doing um i could take that but i think there should be something that would have been cuter what are y'all's favorite lyrics from the song i love how she does that little ring my bell ad lib at the end of it yeah yeah that's my favorite part too it's kind of it's kind of hard to hear because it's another song with hidden lyrics behind Mariah's background layering, and she's saying, "Still laying up in bed, it's three twenty-seven. My body's lonely. Why ain't you calling? I'm ready for you, boy. Don't you know it? Ooh, you can ring my bell, ring my bell, my bell. I want to be your baby doll. Don't you want to be my baby doll? I want to be your baby doll, which is such like classic butterfly layering. And it's really, really hard to catch unless you're like an old school lamb. But I could be wrong. People, It took me years and years to catch it. But yeah, same. I think when I first heard it, it was like, um, I think it was on Instagram. This was like 2013, I think, when I first realized it. And I... It, they played like the tiniest bit and I thought, I don't even know who it was now, but like I thought that's got to be Baby Doll, right? And there was just something about it that didn't quite sound like it was Baby Doll, it has to be. And I went to listen to it, I thought, is it in the actual recording? I listened to it and I thought, oh my God, it stands out like a sore song for me now, even though it is so well hidden. And I do feel that on the 25th anniversary moment that we got, I feel that it's a little bit more crisper and that might be just because the the music's... A better quality i don't know but um it is a cute moment i do like the fact that that's in there and i think with the lyrics that i don't have a particular favorite line or couple of lines because i feel like again with the, with all this album 
she gets into a storytelling moment and it's so it is picturesque i don't i know i'm repeating myself with that but like you just get hooked into it like with a book like when you're reading something or you're listening to somebody explain something you know what i mean like you just get hooked in i don't have a particular favorite line because i just love the way that she's managed to fit everything in with a rhythm in a song because it's as if she's just having a conversation like she's literally explaining something Yes, I love it how she's building the picture of her in the hotel room. She's like, uh, I'm going to keep checking my cell phone. I'm going to keep having splashes so I don't worry about it. Just like Crybaby as well. Yeah, it's iconic. Iconic. It's just not my favorite. I love the, um, I love the, da-da-do-ya, da-da-do-ya. I love that part. And I love when she says, all through the night like i love that so much there is something about it and i don't know if it's just in my mind but if i'd have heard this song before the album or seeing the album's artwork like the way she describes being in the hotel it just it just brings up an image of like colors of the room to be similar to the colors of the album like the walls are probably like almost I don't know, some kind of flesh colour, like a nude colour. So that could be like a caramel tone or whatever. And then you've got like a golden like lamp lighting up the room, like the lettering on the album. It just, there's just something about it that, I could picture woods like as well, like we've got, not woods as in like a forest, but like wooden furniture. Like, and I think that's probably the the tones of her hair, like on the album. It's just, there's something about most of these songs, but and then when we get that build up pictures and those kind of tones when you think of it like even fourth of july you get those kind of like dusk kind of moments of like as if it, the sun's still there but it is starting to set you know it's so there's kind of like orange the dusk golden hour tones yeah. i get it yeah and i just feel like there's a lot of that that runs through this album and i'm probably just like i don't know if i'm this is a thing for everybody but it is for me like i just feel like everything is so picturesque and that's probably why she went for the color tones of the album obviously they match honey as well like you know but i don't feel like all this was a mistake and it all just conveniently came together you know what i mean exactly exactly but speaking of picturesque this is a good segue into the next song which to me is the most picturesque song on the album which is track eight close my eyes those that melody and those lyrics i never sang it to anybody and i had the chords in my head and when i was in the transitional period between leaving the quote-unquote big house where I lived and um, big house having a double meaning because I do call it Sing Sing and I think we can laugh about it now because it was kind of prison-esque and all I did there was sing sing so whatever but when I was leaving that place which is actually a beautiful place but I wasn't I wasn't happy because it was not a healthy situation that I was in, in terms of the relationship, um, I was reflecting on my life. And so the first part of the song, when I, when I spoke about I was a wayward child with the weight of the world that I held deep inside, that whole part was just looking out and going, wow, I've come a really long way after that first concert in Schenectady. The second part was... Close My Eyes. It was written and produced by Walter Afanasieff and Mariah. In an interview with CNN, Mariah declared Close My Eyes as one of her favourite and most revealing songs that she's ever written. 
She stated that it's not always her number one or signature songs that are her favourite, rather they are lesser known cuts from more obscure records. Also, re-recorded for her book release, Mariah has said that she wrote the song over a series of years. Mariah indirectly sings about her relationship with Tommy. Nearing the edge, obliviously, I almost fell right over. A part of me will never be quite able to feel stable. So what are our feelings on this song? Because to me, like I said before, this is another song that gives me a ton of imagery with the orange clouds. I almost get like a dreamlike imagery of Mariah in the clouds. I know Mariah has been quoted as saying that she would sit in the bath and write this song. I don't remember where that was from, but I do remember that quote from somewhere. So in my head, I get an image of Mariah in the bath, like, in the Cribs episode with her hair back um, and one of those old school baths that are like lifted from the ground. And she's like, she has an open bathroom with windows and then there's the orange clouds. I get that kind of imagery. To me, it's like another gay anthem for gay youth that has been disowned by a family. But this is such an amazing song. I don't really visit it much because it's almost like the song Reflections and Petals is very heavy, but it is such a beautiful fucking song. Yeah, I get what you're saying about this song being heavy, especially the nearing the edge part, because um, I'm pretty sure um, a magazine or something said that the album deals with like suicide as well. Like people thought that um, that line meant that she might like may have tried to commit suicide. I can totally see that being like hard for somebody to listen to who has maybe attempted in the past. It it is one of those tracks like outside looking in petals, a portrait that is there for you when you need it, but almost overwhelmingly so. Like if you're not in the vibe to hear that and you do, it can take you to a place where you don't want to be in that moment. But it's a beautiful song. I love this song. And I know it has got a little bit of a, well, not a little bit, it has got quite a bit of heaviness to it. Like the way she describes how she felt as a child being burdened with like other people's issues or whatever. I mean, I'm comparing that to the book now and putting pieces together. She doesn't actually say that in the song, but she mentions things that she learned things that little ones shouldn't know and the weight of the world that held deep inside. She does go through and she sort of builds this image. And I do remember people comparing elements or well, particular elements of the song to her suggesting like a suicide moment. But I feel like it is metaphorical in a way, like it's not, she builds up that image that can be taken that way. But I, when you read through the whole lyrics and you don't listen to the song as such, but you read through it, you kind of, I do anyway, I don't know about anybody else, but like I get the feeling of a woman or it can be anybody, a man or a woman, doesn't matter. But like in this particular instance, a woman who is, is she's been falling and falling and falling in, in terms of like losing herself um, because she's been, uh, guided or controlled by other people you know and she's probably feeling like to the point where I don't know who I am anymore and she's a bit sort of like misguided a little bit with her like a, a vision and stuff um what she where she wants to be who she wants to be and where she wants to go and I feel like this song especially by the time we get to the end of it like at the la last little bits like she realized that she was falling and she realized she that she needed to stop herself and get back to being who she wants to be that was perfectly put because 
to me, I get a lot of like desperation in the song, but over like a beautiful instrumental. Like I love those lyrics nearing the edge, obliviously I almost fell right over. A part of me will never be quite able to feel stable. That woman child falling inside was on the verge of fading. Thankful I, thankfully I woke up in time. I love that so much. And I've revisited this song when I've had such desperate moments in my life and it's so comforting to listen to this song and that's the beauty of this album as well there are so many songs on this album that we know this is supposed to be about mariah realizing that it's the end of her marriage and that she went through shitty times in her life but the beauty of a lot of these songs is that it's so relatable on so many different levels that it can really fit in like a puzzle piece to any kind of shitty situation in your life and god it's just an amazing song also that reminded me a lot about this album in general is that it kind of starts in a very shallow place in a very like i mean i don't mean shallow in a bad way but it starts in a very superficial like oh yes it's like honey when it washes over me but each song we're getting to a deeper and deeper place and a deeper part of where mariah is and i feel like it's so it's so organic and it's so natural, this album, the way it progresses and moves through track to track. And the second half of the album, we're really getting into the insecurities and the the details of why she had to make the album in the first place. And I, it's just a beautiful thing. And it's a beautiful album that, that she could have it be so cute and ornate and gorgeous on top with all of the singles and all of that and then get to this deeper place which she probably hasn't well we know she hasn't explored on any other album what are y'all's feelings on the 2020 version that she included with the book with the in the kitchen vocals do you prefer it over the album version i think that's like a rhetorical question because obviously i love the original i'm glad that she did something for the book and I feel like that it's perfect for that but I I do love the recording that we originally got from the album like I don't I would never swap it yeah same I would never I don't ever really listen to the 2020 version no same like I mean obviously if I do listen to the rarities which I do but it's usually like a shuffle thing not like from start to finish because it's not really a cohesive album but if it does come on for any reason, I will listen to it because I do like the song and I do like to hear it. And it is quite nice that she did revisit it in 2020. But yeah, the recording reminds us of a particular timestamp in her life. And that belongs on the album. I prefer the album version to close my eyes over the rarities version, definitely. But I think that the rarities version the 2020 close my eyes version has its place on rarities and it does remind me of that time we were in in 2020 was it 2021 i don't even remember with the it was 2020 was it 2020 yeah it was at the end of 2020 you know see the last few years you guys they've been bleeding together okay so that's (laughs) yeah bitch same to me it's more representative of that time and i like where it's at It was a good introduction to the book because it really, 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 really fits in with the book and kind of sets the tone for the book as well. So I'm happy that that worked out for her in the long run. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. All right. With that, let's get into the next track on the album, Whenever You Call. 
So Whenever You Call was produced by Walter Abanasiev and Mariah as well. Um, it has the classic Walter A sound. It's one of Mariah's big ballads. I feel like they had to, Tommy or Mariah or Walter was like, okay, we need a fucking ballad for this album because it's getting a little bit, you know. Um, we need to keep the Music Box fans happy. Also, there was a second version recorded with Brian McKnight. The Brian McKnight version is on the Number Ones album and has just been re-released on the Butterfly 25th expanded version. Also, the Brian McKnight version is on the standard version of Butterfly on Amazon Music. Um, I want to touch on that for a second. Like, it's really weird because I, the streaming service that I use is Amazon Music. So I hate listening to the Butterfly album on Amazon because it plays this version. And I don't know why they swap that one out for the Brian McKnight version. It's not that I hate the Brian McKnight version. I just want to have the standard Butterfly version. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do think it is better with it on, but I totally get what you mean. It's one of those things, again, like, and I'm going to sound like a a brat probably when I say this, but if the Brian McKnight version was on the album, I would miss the original. And with the original on the album, I miss the Brian McKnight version, if that makes sense. I'm never really happy, like, between the two, because I love the Brian McKnight version. I think it's so gorgeous with those two together. And I do feel like it, it needed to be, like, a love song as a duet. I just, I just can't completely switch it up and, and like get rid of the original you know what I mean because I still miss those moments because I know that they exist you know what I mean like her singing the first verse I know that there is that so I have to have everything <laughs> I think that it is Mariah's favorite version the Brian McKnight I feel like the Brian McKnight version is Mariah's favorite version seeing mm. that she keeps pushing this song throughout the years uh she put it on number ones like I just said before, it's on the Amazon version. So I feel, I don't know if she's ever said it publicly that it's her favorite version. It makes more sense because it it is the better version of it. Like you said, Gareth, it sounds better as a duet. But again, like I said before, I keep repeating myself. I just need that version from the standard version. Yeah. For the nostalgia. Yeah, I think it's just not that her vo- obviously her vocals are not in in any way, shape, or form bad on on the Mariah only version, but there is something with his vocals behind her, especially with the key change. There's just something that sort of, like elevates her a little bit, pushes her, her vocals forward, and emphasizes it. And it's just I just live for that moment of the song with those two together. So I think that the Mariah only version is perfect on the album, and then I think their duet is perfect on number ones. You guys, this is a very common theme for me as you guys have heard and the listener will probably know it too but I am very much a the butterfly album is perfect as it is and doesn't need to be changed type of lamb like I love the duet I think it's cute I love Brian McKnight's vocals on it I just love the I love the Mariah only version too um it's definitely not my favorite song on the album at all by any means um I'm not the biggest ballad queen even though I love my all like it's not the kind of ballad it's a very schmaltzy kind of ballad it's a very like wedding day type of ballad very Walter A ballad very much very Walter A I I I like them both I like where they're both at but what are your general feelings about this song on the album? Because to me, this is one of those rare meh songs to me. It's just, I don't hate the song, but I really don't love this song. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's very impressive because this is one of the only Mariah songs that has two vocal climaxes. 
this has two big crescendo type moments, two big um, ending choruses. Cause she does the, she does the first one and then we go into a second bigger one. So I like it for that reason. I just get a lot of cheese factor from it. Like just very like contemporary Walter A. Again, I'm repeating myself. It's just, I don't know. I don't love this song. I like it, but I don't love it. It's the all I've ever wanted for the album, isn't it really? From Music Box. I mean, I love all I've ever wanted. It just as an impressive moment. I just think her voice is absolutely amazing on that song. And the same for this one as well. Like, it's nice. I'm glad we got something like that there just to sort of, you know, be the full uh, Mariah experience and, you know, tick all the Mariah boxes for a Mariah album. I mean, what would you switch it with? Like, if you couldn't have it lead the way, maybe. But lead the way would sound strange, I think, on this album. If I could switch it out with lead the way, I would switch it out with lead the way. Totally. Yeah. I think that whenever you call would have maybe fit better on Glitter in my opinion. I've never really thought about this before until you brought it up, but yeah, I guess I would switch it out with Lead the Way. Because to me, Lead the Way is such a better ballad than Whenever You Call. And also Lead the Way does give me not the Butterfly album kind of a feel because I think even Whenever You Call is a weird sort of standing out sound-wise moment on Butterfly. Like, I think it's the one song that doesn't sound like it's for the album. I think it sounds more like a daydream track, like Forever. But um, Lead the Way gives me more of a Butterfly era feel than Whenever You Call. Yeah, same. Like, I, I feel that same way. And I've never really thought about that until now, which is so strange. I just had an epiphany on this episode. Oh, yeah, I, I guess now now I've gone and said it in my head, like it could be switched quite easily. But with Lead the Way, I couldn't, like, I could see it on the album, but I couldn't see it as track nine because it doesn't fit into yeah. the story of Butterfly. I You'd have to really kind of put it at, like, track four or but track three. I don't three. think Whenever You Call really fits right there either. I, I think it fits in there because she's... Because it's like we stated in our second episode that Mariah was saying that she had intentions of going back to Tommy. So basically what she's saying in this song is, I'll be here for you whenever you call. So Mm. it makes sense to me where it does fit. That's just me going over random thoughts in my head. Maybe if you switched uh, whenever you call with close my eyes and then you've got like the love story theme that finishes close my eyes fly away but then oh then we get the retrospective moments toward the end but we do get the beautiful ones which is again a love story and it's a cover but But i think that the beautiful ones fits right where it needs to even though it's a little out of place i mean i feel like we're jumping around now we're we're really jumping around here but um not that we want to change butterfly we don't want to change butterfly (laughs) no we don't want to change butterfly it's a perfect album but do you guys think that whenever you call is um fuck what did you say nick and it about her uh, wanting to go back to tommy yeah do you think whenever you call is about tommy yeah i do think it's about tommy or it could be about Derek jeter you never know i could also see being whenever you call the last track because it kind of ends with i'll be here for you whenever you call you know what i mean you obviously don't agree with me no it's outside is the last track honey because I feel like the album starts, like I said, in the superficial place of like love and codependency and honey and 
all of that. And then we get into why and we get into the insecurities, you know, like I feel like there's layers to this album, you know, and I feel like by the time we get to the end of Outside, I feel like I understand the first few tracks even more. Yeah, I think I think Butterfly ends perfectly with Outside. I think the way that song just finishes, it closes the album so perfectly it didn't it didn't need to have even though outside is very dramatic in the way that it, in the style it's sung in but like i feel like whenever you call would be far too dramatic to end the album there i think outside ends the album perfectly all right so i'll go ahead and get into track 10 do we have anything else to say about whenever you call all right uh moving on to track 10 which is one of my favorites and it shocks me because I see a lot of lambs place this really, really low, which is Fly Away, The Butterfly Reprise. So this was written and produced by David Morales and Mariah. The definition of reprise is a repeated passage in music. It was the first version of Butterfly, which was eventually turned into the ballad of Butterfly. Mariah talks about Fly Away in the book, the meaning of Mariah Carey, and how the lyrics came to her while she locked herself in the bathroom after Tommy put a butter knife to her face in front of his friends. The lyrics came to Mariah right before she finally left Tommy. The song also has writing credits from, is it Bernie Topin and Elton John? Just because there's like... I don't know anything about this. Really? Like he has a writing credit in the... Yeah, yeah. There's definitely an Elton John writing credit on Flyway, yes. Yeah. Not sure. She says... You're a butterfly, and butterflies are free to fly, fly away, hi away, bye-bye. And that's what got him a writing credit. It's literally like one line that she says like twice or something in the song, and it's from that. What are y'all's opinions on this interlude? Because Wait, can we I've talk said- about the butter knife? Can we talk about the butter knife for a second? So she started coming up with some of the words for this after he put a knife to her face, correct? Yes, and she was, remember in the book, she was saying she was sitting. In front of his friends. Yes, and she was sitting in the bathroom. Yes, do we think Walter A. was there in that moment? I think it's, I think he was, because it's very, she kind of like alludes to the fact that he was there. Because what what was the term she used? All his goons were around? I don't know specifically what she said, but she never talked about why her and Walter stopped working together. It was always the music, uh, you guys know what the fuck she mm. says, but I feel like allegedly, allegedly, this is all allegedly, I feel like Mariah was trying to say something with that part of the book where Tommy puts a knife to her face and there was friends of him there. I believe Walter was there when Tommy put a knife to her fucking face and didn't stand up for her and didn't do anything about it. And I think that's the reason why they don't work together anymore. Okay, well, I have a a Walter A. quote. He said, I needed to maintain a very strong relationship with Tommy during that period. The beginning of their end, I had to stay away more than normal from her because she was going through a rough time. She felt that shutting her relationship with Tommy was also a cleansing of who she was. She felt that part of what she was dropping with the schmaltzy pop singer ballad kind of stuff he was an adamant about. I had to make my exit and say, Mariah, you need to redefine yourself. That's fine. I'm here doing what I do. And when you want to come back and do it again, I'm here. That's the only quote I've ever really seen any of them talk about each other and their professional breakup. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure that that's the truth. Like, I don't believe that's a lie. But the whole part where I have to maintain a relationship with Tommy, like, I'm sure there were multiple, allegedly, I'm sure there were multiple times where Mariah was like, why the fuck didn't you stand up for me there? Why, you know, we wanted this song like this. Why didn't you do it? Like, why did, when he said this, do that? Like, I'm sure there was moments like that, you know? And so what, so what do you guys think? Do you think that Walter was there? I do. I think Walter was there when he put a knife to her face. What about you, Gareth? I mean, again, we're obviously we're just speculating. It's, it's definitely possible, but if, if it, why, I know she wouldn't want to throw him under the bus and say that, but that he was there, but it doesn't make any difference whether he was there or not really. Whether he was there or not doesn't really dictate whether he should be mentioned or not, because it's more of a situation where she felt threatened and she's discussing that. Did she say that Corey Rooney was there as well? But there was something like about that. Basically what I'm trying to say is, I feel that it is a possibility that he could have been there because they were working together at the time. I feel that she may have mentioned that Corey Rooney was there. I don't know how I've got that in my head. Um, so if anybody knows, let me know. But um, she does mention that his Goonies were there. I could see how you would think it, but I just, I my mind didn't jump there when I first read that part in the book. And I don't, I, don't, I mean, it could be a thing where she thinks, why don't you stick up for me? Why don't you defend me? Why don't you step in? Whatever. But like, maybe she was closer to him out of anybody else in that room. And she thought at least I would have thought you would have had my back. But no, I do think it's more of a controlled thing. Maybe it is that and the fact that Tommy might have got in the way a little bit with them working together. And she just thought, you know what? This guy doesn't have my back like I thought he did. So I'm just going to move on. I can write better stuff with other people. Yeah, it was definitely a conflict of interest. So I can kind of see why she separated herself from him. Yeah. What are y'all's feeling on this interlude, this reprise? Well, I think it's a really cute moment. Obviously, it's a very short moment. It's very, like, there's a whole entire single with the whole entire version of it. But the song that we get on the album is very brief. It, I feel like Daydream and Butterfly have that same sort of type of moment, you know? And I love that shit. I love that shit. I love how she did that. Yeah. I love an interlude from Mariah, you know? What, about, is the what about you, Gareth? It is probably the one that I don't listen to that much. I mean, obviously, if I'm playing the album. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. Just It's not really something I go to. I mean, I probably go to it more now. I don't know. I feel like it does stand out on the album. And obviously, because of the genre of music in this, that's perfectly fine. But it is placed perfectly. You can't end the album with this, because then it would feel like a bonus track or a remix that's just shoved onto the end. It is nice. It does break it up a little bit. So it is... It is okay to have it there. Like, I'm not going to say that I'd take it off or anything like that. But, like, it just... I don't know what it is really about it. I think it's because there's a lot of, like, repetitiveness about it. Like, she does re-sing a load of different stuff. But she also repeats a lot of stuff as well. And I think it's that that I don't really buy into. That's crazy to me. But between, like, the Daydream interlude and Butterfly, which one do you prefer more? Because to me, this is my favorite interlude ever. Like, this interlude gives me so much life. I probably I think they're so. both very different. Yeah. The Daydream like the, one. The feels... Daydream one's very, like, jazzy almost. But if you had to pick... This one. 
fly away. Yeah, probably this one. But I love them both. But honestly, you guys know I'm a born as the king interlude type of queen. So I'm going to have to go with born as the king. <laughs> I'm an interlude type of king, period. Like, I love Rainbow me interlude. interlude. Languishing. Yes, like, bitch, I love all... languishing. I wish there was an interlude on every single album like, i do too i almost and vulnerability that, don't forget vulnerability vulnerability interlude yes rainbow's got hella interludes um i wish that i almost wish that it was like the janet album where there's an interlude between every song almost like i would be yeah I'd be down yeah i love that about a janet album too well yeah. let's go into the remix like to me i would literally switch out the fly away David Morales mix with the interlude just to have it because to me this I've said it 10 times in these episodes these extended versions are so amazing to me and you guys know I love a David Morales moment um no I prefer this fly away I, again but do I, you like do you like the remix the club mix don't know if I've even really listened to that what it has all the resung vocals it has those iconic gospel vocals in the background it's it this has... song it's just this song but like a huge version of it i know but i love it and it has that cute no, I'm flute breakdown right in the Gareth, middle like i'm trying to tell gareth because like there's no way you haven't heard it right like what I, I i mean i might have done but how long is this on for like is it another 10 minute like it's a nine minute song yeah, yeah it's not... like 10 10 minutes I probably not listened to it then. I probably have listened to a certain amount of it or part of it, but I, I dance music is so repetitive. So I never really got why it needs to be going on for so long. I, I don't think I'd be listening to that. Fly away the reprise would would definitely um because when you're that. fucked up in the club on drugs and dancing and with drinks, it ten minutes feels like it was three. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's very very <laughs> true but you would love this gareth because it has all these on uh resung vocals she says random things like i can't change it i can't make it you just got to spread your wings and i love oh, really? that yes and what else does she say gia back me up or she does the come spread your wings and just fly that's so iconic Oh, I've heard that line. That's in the reprise, right? Yes, but the the reprise literally is the remix, but just shortened down. Like the interlude for Daydream is yeah. the fantasy remix, but just like condensed. You know, yeah. it's the same. It's the same sort of idea. Okay, I'll give it a go. I've probably listened to it. Butterfly. <laughs> the vocal stylings of Miss Gia Perro. <laughs> but yeah, this is like, I've always noticed that Lambs like don't love this song for some reason. And I never really got that. So I think it's because it doesn't have that sort of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus moment. But like, no, bitch, I am living my gay club best life when I listen to this song. Same. <laughs> I'll be dancing to this shit. I was listening to it today and just dancing around. I love it that much. <laughs> Me too. All right. We ready to to move on to the worst song in the album? You ready to have a giant ass argument and end this podcast <laughs> right here? Uh, I'm coming with receipts, bitch. So receipts Let's... receipts with what girl. 
Shut up, bitch. I can't with no, you. No, you shut up, bitch. What? I have with Prince saying he doesn't like this mix. Obviously, y'all, we're talking about track 11, The Beautiful Ones featuring Drew Hill. The most controversial Mariah cover, in my opinion. The worst Mariah cover ever, in my it's opinion. Her, it's her best cover, honestly. All the other Girl, covers. you tripping like your dog. You tripping like your dog. Bitch, fuck you, because every single other cover is almost a straight copy of the original and they're all a uh, rock song boring you know whatever and this is like this is her best choice her best song choice one of the best ones that could have fit on this album if she was going to do a cover and it perfectly paints the situation it is perfect for the album and all the lambs out here want to throw shade at it all the time talking shit about it oh it's too long gah, 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 gah listening to nine nine minute remixes of of other songs and yeah no you know what i'll i'll be 100 honest with you i used to be one of those lambs who did not like this song i didn't i used to think it was weird how it started off with the ding 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 like i thought that was annoying and weird at first but once you get into it and the song goes somewhere it really is it's the precaution era vocal like you can see where her voice is going to go um, in the future with this song. I love this song so much. I think with her other covers, they've always been some kind of like power ballad moment or by artists that are known for power ballads. So when she's made them, there's, and we've said this so many times on this podcast, there's always like it's falling short of something. And that is the soul of the person that written it. So Mariah's not writing these songs, obviously, and they're great vocal, like, demonstrations, of course, but, like, they're... And that's what makes them better in some cases that, than the original. But she's singing somebody else's lyrics, and she's probably singing th that song and putting that on a particular album because, yes, the lyrics resonate with her at that moment. But when she's singing it, it's not the same as when she's singing one of her own. As we all know that, I'm stating the obvious here. But, like, with the beautiful ones... It's something different, it's something else. Like, what we were saying in our last episode about um, Honey, and I said, said it was like the next level of the formula, I feel like The Beautiful Ones is the next level of a formula of covers. Like, it's, it, it's so fresh sounding as a Mariah Carey cover, and it goes someplace else as well. It's not just like your standard bing, big bang of the drum and then it's a key change. Like, it literally builds and builds and builds and it just soars. And the fact that it's on for six and minutes and whatever, I, it doesn't bother me. Like, I don't mind long songs. I just don't mind, I just don't like when they're repetitive and long, like, what I've just said about the, the, the dance remixes. I love them because she re-records all of her vocals, but to listen to it for 10 minutes, no. It just, I just find something else to do. But like, with this, I can listen to this all the time. Obviously not on repeat, I'm not, because <laughs> I've contradicted it myself if I say that, but like, I can listen to this and I would never skip it. It's just, unless I'm at the gym, for example, but like, it just, it's so beautiful and their voices together, it's amazing. And once that climax hits and the keyboard goes off when they're saying, um, and I'm breaking down on my knees, I want you, I want you. And that fucking keyboard goes into that dun, 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 bitch. I fucking get chills. <laughs> that sounded, I get chills. What? That sounded like old McDonald. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but Old McDonald is better than the Beatles. <gasps> to to me, shut the fuck I, up. Well, that cover I just did was may have been better. Than the this this is one of my least favorite Mariah tracks ever, and I hate saying that because this is on my favorite Mariah album ever and my favorite album of all time. Period. To me, it's just so jarring. It's slow. It's messy. Cisco is cheesy in it. Do you want to love? me love me you want to throw me away do you want to love cisco like do you girl, want cisco or do you want to love me love me like girl like i can't like i just can't i, maybe I it, love it i love maybe, it maybe if it was edited down to maybe four and a half minutes i might be able <laughs> to tolerate it more but it just goes on forever i i never have been able to connect with this song and I never will. I, there is something that's a little bit seedy about the way he says, do you want Cisco? And I think that's only, well, not only, it's for me, I, I can see what you're saying with that line. And I, I, I think it's because of the thong song. Yeah, it, exactly. Like when I think Cisco, I think the thong song. Yeah. But, but, I also have I also have a quote that are I think uh, of Maya. That, I think of because you gotta see I have a, all about me. Like I don't think of the thong song, but okay. Um, but okay. Cisco said that he didn't even know this song before recording it. He also said that when they were recording it and Tommy heard it, that Tommy just started bawling. That was wow. Thank you, man. Thank you. When we did that song with uh, Mariah Carey, the beautiful ones, which mm-hmm. is a remake of a Prince. Prince song. Yeah. Um uh uh Devante from Jodeci yeah. produced the record. He's wow. actually talking on the record. I never met him. Uh, to this day, I know no. I know Casey, yep. I know Jojo, I know uh, uh Dalvin, but I but I never met Devante ever in my life. Um uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Tommy Matola and mm-hmm. and and Mariah was just breaking up, and when we played that song back uh, at the hit uh, hit factory, mm-hmm. um, he was just sobbing, wow, just crying in the studio. And um, wait, who was crying? Tommy. Wow, because that song really touched him like that. Um, and you know we sang that record. I didn't even know the record. No, but isn't it a? I was reading song? the paper. I was yeah. re- like, like when I was singing it, I was reading like right off of the paper because mm-hmm. I didn't really know the song. And man, I just sang it, and then Mariah came in and she sang it. And I think this song perfectly paints the breakup of either her and Tommy or her and Derek. You know, it's very much the end of the moment of that. You know, I think I don't know. I think. Mariah's playing Mariah's part and Drew Hill is playing Tommy or Derek's part. But let's also talk about Prince because Prince didn't like this cover, but Prince... No, he did not like the cover. He didn't like that she covered it. Prince didn't like that people covered his songs, period. I have a quote right here. It says, it's from CNN. It says, Prince was close friends with Mariah Carey, but that didn't stop him from expressing his discomfort with Mariah covering one of his songs. Mariah said he did not like covers, nor did he believe in the concept. Carey admitted in a recently published interview with Variety, I only found this out years later around the time I was doing Glitter, and he told me so. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Well, there's another, there's, she said this 
other times where she was like, um, I covered the beautiful ones. Do you like it? And he's like, I like when you do your songs. That's what yeah, he said. Um, he said, I like honey. Yeah, I like honey. Yeah, I like honey. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the cover I did? Um, I like honey. <laughs> same Prince, same. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I don't know. I just can't say anything bad about this song. I, I like it better than Prince's version. I love Prince's version. I, but obviously that is what it is because Prince is talented, was talented, sorry. But his vocals don't do that, what Mariah is doing on this. And if if she wasn't really going anywhere with her vocals or not even going to the place she goes to with her vocals on this, it probably would be a bit meh for me because it's just like, well, we've got six minutes, but not really a lot happens. But this album is crazy for these sort of like crescendo moments. So it wasn't not going to happen. So I am thankful we got this cover. I, I'm not shading the vocals or anything because the vocals are outstanding on the song other than Cisco's, but I wish that I could just love this song more. Having this song for 25 years and not ever being able to like it, I just don't ever see myself ever loving this song. And that's a shame. And I wish I did, but it is what it is. I think you will one day. I think a lot of lambs just say they hate the beautiful ones because a lot of other lambs say they hate the beautiful ones. I think it's a very common thing to do. No, I'm not basing my my results on what I'm other lambs think. I'm not saying that's think. you. I'm not saying that's you, but I feel like this is a very common thing that lambs say is like, oh, I don't like the beautiful ones. Like, I think that that's, I think that's a very common but, thing. But I've disliked this song before I even knew lambs didn't like this song. It always shocked me when I would hear lambs like you and you and Gareth saying, I love this song. This is beautiful. It always shot me. So even before like social media, the social media era, like I didn't know Lambs loved this song. I just thought that Lambs didn't like it as well. So that's why I said it really shocked me when I heard that Lambs really loved this song. But a lot of Lambs do dislike this song as well. So I'm not like sitting here on an island by myself. You know what I mean? It's just it's just crazy to me that y'all picked this song on our episode, should have been a single, to be the single from Butterfly. It just shocks me, bitch. Whatever, bitch. You should have picked 4th of July then. So, moving on to the final track of Mariah Carey's best album ever created, Butterfly. Outside. Outside was produced by Mariah and Walter and C. Rooney. This is about Mariah being biracial and not having a place in the world. The song is very close to her. Mariah told VH1 in 1997, I wrote outside as a multiracial person, having the feeling that there was no one the same as you. That's how I felt growing up. It wasn't the easiest thing to go that road alone. I have a lot of memories like being in kindergarten and drawing a picture of my family and the teachers are going, you're using the wrong color. Why are you making your father brown? That's the first time I felt like there was something wrong with me. I always hated my name because it, it made me feel different. Now when people come up to me and they're like, this is my baby, her name is Mariah, and it's an interracial baby, I feel like, okay, I'm not alone like I used to be. This is a big one. This is a big song. This is a huge one. Yeah, this is one of those songs that lambs it's not the song that lambs go to when they feel like they're somebody different. Besides, you know, besides looking in in petals, like they all have their moment. This is the song that explains why we got a looking in moment. 
why we needed to separate and do what we needed to do. This is that moment that we finally fully realize how Mariah feels about herself or how she felt about herself and the release she needed to, you know, to create this album. It it was a release for her. So how do you guys identify with outside and how do you guys feel about it? To me, it's a gay anthem as well as a minority anthem. Ryan knew the song would resonate with anyone who grew up feeling like they were on the outside looking in, whether the reason was race, religion, or sexual orientation. The singer told Pride Source that many of her gay fans have told her the song helped them come out to their families. So I can relate with that quote really, really well because. I just remember having like my gay awakening and listening to the song and all the shame I had attached to being gay, even before the social media era and finding out that lambs around the world connected with it the same way I did. So I feel like, like we said before, I can't remember what track it was, um, close my eyes, where you can just relate to this. It's almost like a double entendre in a way that people can relate with the song no matter what kind of situation. Does that make sense? Gia, what is your connection to this song? Well, as for me, as a biracial, adopted, transgender woman, I can relate to this song, one, the way it was written by her, the way she felt, you know, as a biracial person, but also a multitude of different ways, you know, being a trans woman, being adopted, feeling different than the way my parents look, looking different than all the kids in my school, them asking me from a young age, are you a boy or are you a girl? What are you? You know, like I've always gotten those sorts of questions my entire life. So to finally, when I received like this album in its entirety, to finally see someone who's so successful, so gorgeous, and so like appear to be so sure of herself feel the same way that I did it was pretty much like a reassuring like oh it's okay that you feel this way and just because you feel this way doesn't mean you can't have nice things in life doesn't mean you're not going to go anywhere doesn't mean that it's it's not allowed to feel this way um but yeah this song this song makes me cry like almost every time I hear it just because usually when I'm listening to it, I've just gone through the entire uh, album. So one, I know we're getting to the end of the album and it reaches its emotional climax. All of everything that I've been through in my life sort of just hits me once we get to this song. And it's like, wow, we're really unpacking things here that I've tried to put away. So it's it's very overwhelming and it's very hard to to listen to sometimes just because she hits the nail right on the head ambiguous without a sense of belonging to touch you know there's so many key moments of the song that it was like yep that's me that's that's completely my entire childhood in a nutshell and to have this woman feel the same way it's it's amazing because it does get better and you will get through it so it's it's a very beautiful thing. It's a it's a beautiful thing for me. Yeah, I've really really connected this song throughout my life. I remember the first time I heard it. Uh when I was younger, my mom, I think I was 12 years old and this is no, I was even younger. It doesn't matter, but my mom sent me to live with my grandparents 
and um, because she didn't have enough money and she had to choose. So it really made me feel really, really unworthy. But in the same sense, I was coming to terms that I was gay and how scary that was. And like I said before, how shameful I felt about being gay and thinking that it was the end of the world. And these lyrics really, really, really touched me. It's like, they're a part of me, if that, that's the best way I can put it. But like some of my favorite lyrics that really rang true to me were uh, standing alone, eager to just believe it's good enough to be what you really are, but in your heart, uncertainty forever lies and you'll always be somewhere on the outside which is genius. It's everything to me. And it it will always be a part of me, no matter what. The vocals on this song, girl, I can't even. Like, I don't even know how Mariah's saying that. But yeah, this is such a special song to me. I think that out of all of Mariah's songs that she's ever written, that this is the most personal and connecting song to the Lamely in every yeah. single way. Yeah. I think that... Like I said before, it like you can use this for any kind of situation or any kind of person, no matter if you're gay, straight, transgender, black, white. It is it has so many meanings for so many different people. And it is one of those Mariah songs that she is so incredibly lucky to have in her catalog. And I am so incredibly grateful for this song. I can't even put into words how grateful I am for this song. I do. Uh, yeah, I think this song epitomizes her and the album and the transition of what she needed to do for the entire Butterfly era in itself. I think that she had to make a change musically and um, image wise, like to be able to let the things she needed to say out. And I don't think we would have gotten the Mariah that we know if she wasn't able to be herself, you know, be what she needed to take off the white face paint and be a mixed race person and tell us how she feels about being a mixed race person so she can move forward from it. All right, you guys. So we made it through five hours of speaking about Butterfly. What are our final thoughts to wrap this episode up on this magnus, on this magnum opus of an album by Mariah? What are our top three tracks? I don't even know if I can pick three tracks, though. Like... I don't even know where I would start in how, like, in trying to work that out. I know I would probably, like, have to pick, like, the first six tracks are, like, my top three. Yeah, same, same. My my favorite three tracks are all in the beginning. So mine would be Fourth of July, The Roof, and then Breakdown. I'd probably have to go for a My All, The Roof, and Honey. Um, Gareth, you gotta pick. Fuck, I don't. Honestly, I. I know we've said some comments about some of the songs like being a little bit schmaltzy, but like I just, and this isn't even like my most favorite album, but it is a close contender. You know, like I just don't think I can. 
it's perfect as it is. I just don't think I can... Mm. Um, don't be that lamb. Don't be that lamb. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where I'd start. I feel like honey's up there. Yeah. Um, I feel like the roof is up there. Bugger. I feel like you're a breakdown lamb. A bugger. <laughs> bugger. I've, I've never used that word in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe I just feel like I'm going to be like a traitor to all the other songs. Um, maybe, shit. Um, probably Breakdown, Honey and the Roof. You did so it. I, I literally called it, right? I called that shit. Yeah, the roof being the best one, obviously. Like, I feel like with, it raises the question, not that we have to do this, but like it raises the question with Butterfly, you'd have to say, what are your top three up-tempo tracks? What are your top three ballads? What are your top three tracks overall? Like, it, it I just, yeah, I can't single it down to certain, and I don't think any of us can really when it comes to actually listening to this album, but. I can do it. I can easily do it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can rank them, but I literally love every song. Like, yeah. every song is a banger. Except for the beautiful ones. Oh, I love yeah. the beautiful ones. I, I love, love the beautiful music. ones. Yeah, it's a good song, Nick. I think you're... I we think get you're... it. We get it. We get I it. Think, I think what would be good for you to try, Nick, is if you ever have a moment, and I don't think you probably have these moments, where you've probably not listened to Butterfly for a while, make it your mission that when you go to put it on after, I don't know, let's say like a couple of weeks or however long you can go without listening to it, make that the first song you listen to the beautiful ones and see how you I don't think I could ever do it but that brings up a really good point about how often I listen to this album because even though it is my favorite album I don't revisit it too much because it's so special and I don't like to wear it out Mm. right now right now I feel a little butterflied out I was saying this to Gia earlier, mm-hmm. but I feel a little bit butterflied out because we have been talking about Butterfly for three straight weeks. Mm-hmm. We've gone through this Butterfly 25th expanded version. So I've been having a bit of a Butterfly overload. So I don't really see myself probably listening to Butterfly again, probably until 2023 or maybe yeah, I was thinking it'll probably be like at least six months to a year for me before I listened to it all the way straight through again, because I did that um, in preparation for this. And uh, I think twice I did in preparation for this. And like Nick said, every single week we've been recording this butterfly moment. We're not just doing butterfly while we talk. We're, we're thinking about butterfly before we record the butterfly 25th anniversary has been going on while we've been doing this. So in our real life, We've been preparing for, okay, so we got to talk about the 25th anniversary. We've been going through the stress of, oh my gosh, we got to get this merch. We got to do this. Oh, fuck the vinyl box that sold out. You guys will hear way more about that later. But um, yeah, we've been eat, sleeping and breathing butterfly for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, it, it does get a little bit, I don't want to say tiresome, but it, it is a little bit of, of um there can be too much of a good thing if you know what i'm saying yeah it's it's like too much of a good thing is bad and this is not only a good thing it's an amazing thing and not only that the lyrical content of this album and the journey that you go through on this album is so overwhelming that it just 
I try not to listen to this album too much because it's just it's perfection in me other than the beautiful ones. But it is it's just too perfect that I need to just set it down for a minute. And when I'm having a good day or I'm going to be going through something in the future, God forbid I do that. I know that this album is going to be there for me no matter what. And it's going to get me through another hard time in my future. I know that's inevitable because it always has. I can't name how many times I can't even tell you how many times this album has gotten me through some shitty situation. So thank you, Mariah Carey for this incredible album. It changed the way I listen to music, the way I consume music. It has changed everything about me musically period. And I think as well, like, I don't know about anybody else, but it also, I know we have said that it's up there with, um, you know, one of the best R&B, well, if not the best R&B album of the 90s, well, or of that year or whatever of the time. It's it's definitely a signature staple of the 90s, definitely. And all time, really, because we've spoke about it, like, um, or I've mentioned it before, like I've seen it in books and stuff, like albums that you need to listen to before you die or whatever it is. And it's just like, this is in there. Um, it was an old book though. But uh, I feel that it every time I listen to an R&B album from around this time, sometimes vocal quality, depending on who's singing, but like, uh, it, it's hard to compare people to Mariah Carey in that sense, but like the sound, the lyrical content, because if it was around that time, I'm always comparing like, oh, is it as good as this? Does it match up? What was the, what the criteria is, Butterfly? So what, how does this album pair up? I'm always, and I, I don't make it a conscious decision to do that. I don't sit down and like work it all out and, you know, write it all down on a piece of paper, but I just subconsciously go there with it. And I'm always like, oh, okay, okay. And just going through an album by somebody else that was a re- released around the mid to late 90s and I just find myself comparing like this is the example I think I do that even with Mariah albums yes same I was about to say that too yeah even every album that comes out post butterfly I'm like okay let's go back to butterfly and compare notes you know I always put every new Mariah album up against butterfly and I know that I shouldn't do that and I'm about to say something that it might be controversial to some lambs but we will never get an album as good as butterfly from Mariah Carey again so we are very lucky to have gotten this so early in her career it's a shame that she had to go through all she had to go through to give us this album but in my eyes, we will never have an album as good as Butterfly ever again. And this is her, like they say, it's her magnum opus. This is her peak. I think I agree. I do. Like, there, and don't get me wrong, there are phenomenal albums that come out after Butterfly. We love Emancipation. We love um, Caution. You know, we love Charm Bracelet. Um, but Butterfly is it's her best album and just because your favorite album might be your favorite it doesn't mean that it's the best and um our favorite just happens to be her best so sorry if that pissed anybody off by us saying that this is just our opinion but that's a good point we're not saying that every other album is shitty because that we all know that that's a lie because we have tons of incredible albums that followed Butterfly, like The Emancipation tons of, of Mimi, material, yes. Caution, E equals, in my eyes. Like there are so many 
amazing album, Rainbow. Like her catalog is so stellar that uh, Mariah really set the bar way too high for herself with Butterfly. So, uh, like I said before, she's so very lucky to have this in her catalog and to have this in the catalog of music history. I believe that people are going to revisit this album 50 years from now and be like, this was the standard. This was it. I also do the same thing with the track listing too, like of all of her other albums and I compare. Um, like is it does it live up to this? Does how how does it how does it flow? How you know, how does each song go into the next? Is this the equivalent of this song on the album? You know, I do that as well. Yeah, this is her like and this is this just goes without saying, really. You know, there's artists that have an album that is their obviously their signature album, but it goes down in history not only as their signature album, but just as an album on its own. Like the Beatles, I don't know the name of it, but the is it Lonely Hearts or something? I can't remember the name of it. Or the Sgt. Pepper album, or whatever. Like Elton John has them. Everyone has that one, and I, this is definitely without a doubt. And I know there's people that probably do th- have their own things with certain albums because they've gone through stuff or they've joined at certain times. But I feel just because that this is the artist of this is the artist that's gone through something, and this is the documentation of that. So therefore, this stands that test that it it is. The signature album of hers, it is the one that's always going to be the one to go to, regardless of where you were with other albums or what experience you have with other albums. This is, I, I would, all, like I said before, I would always play this to somebody if they hadn't really listened to Mariah Carey or if they'd never listened to a Mariah Carey album, didn't really know what she was about. Instead of me trying to explain, although I probably could, um, I would probably just play this and just let it speak for itself. Exactly. And not even just Mariah Carey, like, this album should, in my eyes, and I'm sure in y'all's eyes too, this album should it's an, be known. It's an R&B legend. This album it, is, it's, it goes beyond her career. It goes beyond Mariah. This is it's a force R&B. bigger. It, yeah. It's a force bigger than Mariah herself. Yeah. Just like how Christmas became way more <laughs> than just Mariah. <laughs> Maybe not as big as the Christmas moment, but... within the realm of 90s r&b this is this is one of those ones and that's the thing as well and this is might sound a bit of a contradiction but i feel like for what it is and what it stands for what it's become um the quality that that it is it almost and what it lives up to as well like it almost is like a modest album because she was just literally making music she wanted to make and she had a story to tell. And yet, this is what came out of that. It is a, a modest sort of, like, approach. Like, she's put out a record. And yet, as a listener, as a fan, as an observer of the music, like, I just... I'm sure she knows. And she must have some kind of conce- uh, idea of this. But there's just no words, really, to make it abundantly 100% clear how important this record is to people and their their stories okay you guys we did it we made it through that that incredible album review i'm not sure if we really did it justice i think it's really impossible to do this album any kind of justice and i'm sure we forgot to mention tons of things but I think we did a decent enough job. So if you enjoyed this episode, we do have other album reviews out there. We have a charm bracelet review, caution review, MTV unplugged review, and an emotions review. So check those out if you get a chance. Make sure that you follow us on all of our social media accounts at The Obsessed Podcast. Give us a five-star rating, and we will see you next week with a new episode to wrap up this 
Butterfly 25th anniversary. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Butterfly. (laughs) Butterfly. Butterfly.